Good evening. It's late on this Good Friday, and it's a different kind of addition to the Bob's World podcast today. It'll be mostly music and one story of a road story, which um, our partner, which we usually have on the Friday slot, Mike Olmstead, came to mind with something he was mentioning about, have you ever been to Niagara Falls? Well, I'll tell you my story right after we listen to a song about a road, the Valley Road, Bruce Hornsby in Bob's World on this Friday the 2nd, Good Friday, 2021.
from Bob's World on a special Good Friday edition. It's a late night. I didn't think I was going to. I remember I teased that I was going to be back with you on this Friday, and then uh, things got busy, and I decided, well, I won't do it. And then uh, something, well, son of a gun, we usually meet with Mike Olmstead. We're not doing that this week. But, well, son of a gun, Mike Olmstead's got this question of the day that he puts it on Facebook. It's it's become a nightly thing. It's become a tradition for him. Our friend, the sports editor at the Newport Daily Express, he's all about questions. He asks on this Friday night, uh, tonight's questions about travel, specifically travel along the U.S.-Canada border. Ever been to Niagara Falls? And if so, did you ride in the Bay of the Mist? Well, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story, and I'll I'll bring it to you right after this because we do have to pay a bill here. Once every 40 seconds, a vehicle is stolen in the United States, costing millions of dollars for owners and insurers and causing insurance premiums to skyrocket. To help with the brakes on auto theft, the National Insurance Crime Bureau recommends you follow these four layers of protection. Use common sense in securing your vehicle. Use a visible or audible anti-theft device. Install a vehicle immobilizer. Invest in a GPS tracking system to help authorities recover your vehicle. If you have information on vehicle theft, contact us at 1-800-TELL-NICB. This is a public service message from the National Insurance Crime Bureau. Major Public Girl. Catching up after work. Okay, this round's on me. <laughs> you said that? You really said that? <laughs> getting back to the moments we miss starts with getting informed. Get the latest info about COVID-19 vaccines at getvaccineanswers.org. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. We're back, and I'm flying without a tether here. There's no script. I didn't write any thoughts down. It's just coming off the top of my head. Mike Olmstead asks tonight, have you ever been to Niagara Falls? Did you ever ride in the Maid of the Mist? I did not ride on the Maid of the Mist but my story's better. My dad, uh, for a good deal of his career, and this was something that I did on the side. He's a college professor, uh, now retired, long since retired, from Fitchburg State University in Massachusetts, now called Fitchburg State University, but that name change was long after he left. But on the side, he had a role as the On the side, he had a role as the transportation coordinator for a nonprofit collegiate forensic association. It was a, a very loosely organized a group of smaller colleges and universities who would send students to uh, debate contests along with the individual events. I like to consider it like a, a, a literary track meet. You know, a, a track meet isn't just the 400-yard dash. It's a whole bunch of other things, including shot put, javelin, and so on. So there were people who would compete in poetry recitation. There would be people who would compete in dramatic interpretation. That kind of thing. A literary track meet, if you will. So, uh, these these ideas for where to hold the winter tournament, there were other tournaments in the fall and in the spring. Of course, in the summertime, there's nothing because everybody's on summer vacation. But the, the fall and the spring tournament would always be at 
some college campus that was playing host to them. The winter tournament, however, last weekend in January, somewhere around then, was always uh, my dad's idea, someplace that was off campus. It, for many, many years, was in Montreal. The students would compete in the judges' hotel rooms, may seem shocking to describe that now, in, in light of things that we have heard in current events over the past couple of years, probably wouldn't be able to do it that way anymore. But that was, was how they did it. And my dad always wanted to have a variety of locations. Montreal was the convenient place because there was an overnight train from New York where most of the colleges were centered and Montreal was an overnight train right away. And so you could do it in, in a weekend. And everybody seemed to like Montreal because it was just, just different enough, which we all know, just different enough. But my dad wanted to mix it up. There was one year when they went to Chicago. There was one year when they went to Florida, Disney World. And so my dad, being the idea guy that he is, and he still is the idea guy, and sometimes I take after him in that respect, coming up with ideas that sometimes I thought, oh, no, that, <laughs> but that's the only way you learn that they're not going to be all that practical. But in any event, the president of the club looks at dad and says, well, well why don't you try name? Both college professors, by the way, they got their PhDs. And well, why don't you go and try Niagara Falls? So my dad had rung up a couple of hotels in the weeks prior to this. Had been speaking with representatives from the group desk, which of course that would be a group, a massive bunch of college students descending on a hotel towards the end of January. When, you know, it's after Christmas, it's not quite winter vacation, and you're not located next to a ski hill, and you're in Canada where it's cold. Well, any downtown hotel is going to love you for bringing that kind of business in. And he knew it, because the folks in Montreal were begging and pleading with him to come back to their hotel the last weekend in January. But these discussions are taking place the summer before because you need to have put up invites. You need to have contracts that need to be inked and stuff like this. I mean, there's planning, and, of course, you need to make sure that the, that the rooms are available and that the meeting space is available for handing out awards and for tabulating all of the numbers. There was this room that they called the tab room, and it was for tabulating the numbers from all of these students being scored from various different judges and how do they all rank up and how do we give people awards out, that kind of thing. So, but this isn't the, this isn't the fun part of the story. This is the, this is the foundation part of the story. The fun part of the story, uh, allegedly, is when we go there and we are, my dad and I are, on the train, and uh, he always likes to make an adventure out of things, so this is the first time I'd ever been in New York, and it was for about a half hour. We ride from 
And because this is a podcast, I can tell you the long version of the story. <laughs> uh, okay, it was, um, I think it was July of 1990, 1991. Amtrak was still coming into Grand Central Terminal for Hudson, Hudson Line trains, which the train to Toronto was, a Hudson Line train. So we went from Worcester, where I grew up, down to New York Penn Station and took a cab. I swear that cab was the fastest automobile I'd ever been in in the middle of a downtown. You know, I remember to this day glancing up at the speedometer and the speedometer read 55 in the middle of Manhattan. It's New York. New York cab. So we get on in into Grand Central Terminal, which I don't remember all that much of. Of course, I have been there far more recently, in more recent years, and gone down there a lot. But that was the only time I had been in New York City until recent years. And so we get on the train, and we go, uh, We the train that we were on terminated in Niagara Falls, New York. And we took a cab, another cab, from the Niagara Falls, New York train station to, I think it was the Brock Hotel. It might have a different name now, but it was the Brock, the Sheraton Brock. Sheraton was running it, where we had a reservation for the night, and uh, we were going to be given a tour of their facilities, of course, in advance of a big group. Of course my dad had finagled how to get the room uh, for, for, for free because this is a prospective big-time customer. You, you, of course you want to give them the guide. Of, so they give us a, a nice a view. <laughs> they give us a nice view, and I remember we had breakfast. We, we, we toured that hotel, and then we toured the one that was right next to it. And Chloe the cat keeps walking up to the table here where I'm doing this and bumping into the microphone. So if you're hearing pauses, that's the cat and me readjusting the microphone. Uh, but anyway, we spend one night at one hotel, the, the Sheraton uh, Brock, and then there was another night we spend at another hotel that's in Niagara Falls, and they both overlook the falls. It's a wonderful time. And I think, honestly, that was the last time I was in Niagara Falls. The situation didn't jade me what was up to come later in the story here. Now, we didn't go on the Maid of the, uh, Maid of the Mist. That's after we had gone and done the nickel tour of the hotel and the conference facilities. Really riveting stuff for a 12-year-old kid along the ride with but 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 that that's what we did. That's what we did. Breakfast was on the house. It was a huge breakfast. It was a good thing we had that huge breakfast. A detail which will become apparent as I'm telling you this story. So we go on. We don't go on the Maid of the Mist, which is the the the, the boat that that rides. Uh, I forget whether the Maid of the Mist is on the New York side or the Ontario side. There are boat tours in the, near Niagara Falls, at the bottom of it, that are run 
one is run on the Ontario side and the other is run on the New York side. And they get close to each other to the point where you can wave to the folks on the other boat. The wonderful part of the U.S.-Canada border. We're able to wave to each other and say hi. And this being 2021 so far, that's about all we can do is wave across the border to somebody who's on the other side. But we're talking about 1991 now. So we, go, we walk through the caves. There are caves that are underneath Niagara Falls, and they give you, they give you uh, clear plastic ponchos to keep yourself dry because it's really, really wet. I bet I didn't need to say that. We toss the, those ponchos somewhere and we our, our ride to Toronto on a train that was actually coming from New York and would have to clear customs in Niagara Falls, Ontario before we could get on because we were obviously already on the Canadian side. Going to Toronto and the train is about an hour late due to freight trouble, which is some, you know, it, it, it'll happen. And then when we see it arrive in Niagara Falls, Ontario, and of course we can't get on it because Canada Customs needs to inspect the train. And so we wait for Customs to inspect the train. It's a hot day, rather muggy day in July of... 1990, 1991, I forget the exact year. And you can tell that there's like thunderclouds up ahead. You, you, you're looking and you know you, you, it's dawning on you. It's going to be rainy and it's going to be rainy a lot. And so these two things are coming together. There's a storm, there's storm clouds gathering and we feel the need. We're going to have to walk inside the train station. And at the same time, on this very same timeline, the train inspection is getting a little drawn out. You figure it's going to take about an hour. You, you figure it's going to take about an hour. That's what they put into the schedule for Canada Customs or U.S. Customs to inspect the people that are on the train at the stop before you can go, before they can allow any passengers on or off at that stop. And then we, after about an hour in, we hear the, one of the Canada Customs people, there was one of them who looked like the leader. We're, we're, we're presuming that every team has a leader and we were seeing the leader. They walked through the open doors and one of the steps was down and the lead customs agent says this train is now property of the Canadian government stay in your seats and the officer did not have the same kind of calm bedside manner that I do when I'm speaking into this microphone it was a little bit more animated there was an older gentleman standing on the platform with us who admitted that he was a retired Canadian Pacific crewman who had come to Niagara Falls from Toronto for the day with his grandson. 
and he told us that in the 35 years that he had worked for the Canadian Pacific Railroad, crewing trains, never once had a train been seized by the Canadian government at the border, or by the American government at the border. So this was a first for him. The train had been seized. Seized. We, all of a sudden, we have no idea what the timeline is going to be for our relatively short trip to Toronto. What's it, two hours? From Niagara Falls, Ontario to Toronto should be about two hours. Of course, the more stops you have, the longer it's going to take, but there are only a couple of stops on that between Niagara Falls, Ontario, and Toronto. Uh, the Canadian part of it run by Via Rail, so they were able to go and make those stops. So, three hours go by. They lead some people off the train, and a Royal Canadian Mounted Police vehicle is waiting, and those people are taken away in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police squad car. And then it's no longer seized, and uh, we're allowed to get back on the train. Now, I mentioned that the train was seized for three hours. It was an hour late before it arrived, and it was an hour before they announced that it was seized. You're counting along with me, aren't you? You're doing the addition, and you're saying, well, this is a delay, isn't it? Uh, one thing upon the other upon the other, which are... In Canada, there is a time law that says after the train is so many hours late, they got to give away the uh, food car. And all the Canadians knew this rule. So they all started lining up. When they got on the train, there was a line. The bar car was open. It, yes, including the booze. My dad and I are waiting in line. Of course, by this point, it is 10 o'clock at night easily. We uh, get up to the counter in the uh, cafe car, the bar car. And the only things available at that point, after a throng of people had been ahead of us in line, were... Diet Coke, an Aero Bar, chocolate bar, popular in Europe, popular in Canada, not sold in the U.S. The Canadians had clearly stocked that, because otherwise the Aero Bar wouldn't be for sale. But at the details here, and hard liquor. So the choices were Diet Coke, chocolate bar, hard liquor. The hard liquor was not taken. Although, maybe my dad would have, had he been traveling alone, you know, never know. So that was my story of Niagara Falls. We got into Toronto at 1 o'clock in the morning, and by that time, our reservation had rolled over into the next day. And they categorized us as a no-show. Of course, we had the reservation number. My dad would, of course, have the reservation number written down, and they found us. They realized they found us, and we had to explain that our train was late. 
even though we were just coming up from Niagara Falls, but that's our story. And they put us into the Queen's Suite to compensate us for the fact that they lost the reservation. And they put us in there free for a couple days before we continued our voyage, which continued on to Chicago and then down to Washington, D.C. And then from Washington, D.C. back up to Worcester. And that was the summer of 1991. And that is my story of my trip to Niagara Falls. The only time I had ever been to Niagara Falls. You're listening to Bob's World and a special Good Friday Easter weekend edition. We'll be back to normal on Monday. This is the Tragically Hip, another road-themed song. Highway Girl.
They are the Tragically Hip and Highway Girl. From Bob's World on this Good Friday, Easter weekend edition, a special that we are putting on for you today that is uh, really just a spur of the moment because Mike Olmstead, who we won't be hearing from today, uh, just mentioned a question as to uh, if I'd been to Niagara Falls and if I'd been on the Made of, Mist, Made of the Mist, and well, I hadn't, and I told you my story at this point. And as we are here, we will bring you the this date in history and some birthdays in a moment, along with another tune from Backman Turner Overdrive. This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let us begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Do you have plumage? Please tell me you answered no, which means you need to get a fishing license and have your boat registered, because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. Three quarters of the nation's first responders are volunteers. That includes here in Connecticut. And lately, it's been harder than ever, with fewer citizens volunteering. From teenage cadets like me, to seasoned veterans like me. So what are you waiting for? Ready to join our team? Your community needs you. We need you. Visit everydayherocc.org and take the first step of joining your fire department. See you out there. Welcome back to a, a haphazardly assembled edition of Bob's World on this Friday, April the 2nd. And by the time you're hearing this, it'll be April the 3rd. Not bad. 92nd day of 2021 with 273 left in the year. And they have yet to release tomorrow's This Day in History. So I can't be ahead of the pace and do that. Actor Sharon Acker, 86. Dame Penelope Keith, 81. Linda Hunt is 76. Emmalou Harris, 74. We have Sam, actor Sam Anderson, 74. Social critic and author Camille Paglia, 74. Rock musician Dave Robinson of the Cars is 72. Country singer Buddy Jewell, 60. Actor Christopher Maloney, 60. Singer Karen Woodward of Bananarama, 60. Country singer Billy Dean, 59. Actor Clark Gregg, 59. Actress Jana Marie Hupp, 57. Rock musician Greg Camp, 54. Pedro Pascal, 46. Michael Fassbender, 44. Jesse Carmichael of Maroon 5 is 42. Singer Lee Dweez of American Idol, 35. And actor Drew Van Acker, 35 as well. On this date in 1792, Congress passed the Coinage Act, which authorized the establishment of the U.S. Mint. 1865, Confederate President Jefferson Davis and most of his cabinet fled the Confederate capital, Richmond, Virginia, because of the advancing Union forces. It did not end well for them. 1917, President Woodrow Wilson asked Congress to declare war against Germany, saying, the world must be made safe for democracy. Congress declared war four days later. 1932, aviator Charles Lindbergh and John F. Condon went to a cemetery in the Bronx where Condon turned over $50,000 to a man in exchange for Lindbergh's kidnapped son. The child, who was not returned, was found dead the following month. 
1968-2001, A Space Odyssey, the groundbreaking science fiction film epic produced and directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Keir Delia and Gary Lockwood, had its world premiere in New York City, in Washington, D.C., make that. 1980, President Jimmy Carter signed into law a windfall profits tax on the oil industry. The tax was repealed eight years later. 1982, several thousand troops from Argentina seized the disputed Falkland Islands located in the South Atlantic from Britain. Britain seized the islands back the following June. In 1986, four American passengers, including an eight-month-old girl, her mother and grandmother, were killed when a terrorist bomb exploded aboard a TWA jetliner en route from Rome to Athens. 2002, Israel seized control of Bethlehem. Palestinian gunmen forced their way into the Church of the Nativity, the traditional birthplace of Jesus, where they began a 39-day standoff. 2003, in the Iraq War, American forces fought their way to within sight of the Baghdad skyline. In 2005, Pope John Paul II died at his Vatican apartment aged 84. In 2007, the first case on climate change, the U.S. Supreme Court in Massachusetts versus EPA ruled 5 to 4 that carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases were air pollutants under the Clean Air Act. And now this date in history is history. But not this podcast. We got one more song. Macman Turner Overdrive and Roll On Down the Highway. You have been listening to Bob's World. I'm Bob Welch. Thanks for listening.
roll down the highway. Roll on down the highway. Backman Turner Overdrive. I'm Bob Welch. This has been a special Easter weekend special of Bob's World. We'll see you back to our normal format on Monday.